On this episode, I sit down with Gary Cady, the CEO and founder of Next Level Practice. Is that you don't have to live in suffering. See, pain is necessary, suffering is optional. Pain is the trigger to say, wake up, young man or young lady. You don't have to be living like this. See, in 2018, raising your hand and and saying, I need help, is a strength, not a weakness. Mm. And when you do that, that's like your whole life can change in this minute listening to this podcast. That's what happened to me. You're listening to the Pursuit of Purpose podcast. Wisdom, stories, and advice from successful entrepreneurs and inspirational people. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the Pursuit of Purpose. My name's Chris Kiefer, and today I have Gary Cady, the CEO and founder of Next Level Practice, and also a new subsidiary they have created called GabeWorks. In the past 20 years, Gary has personally worked with over 4,000 dental practices, and they estimate that because of the work with those dental practices, they have increased the revenue of their clients by an estimated $1.6 billion. Moving forward, Gary has a goal of making 30 million people healthier by the year 2020. So without further ado, let's get into the conversation. Gary, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me. Before we get too deep into the way that you guys operate today, what's really fascinating to me in any business or entrepreneur story is like the first, you know, the startup phase. Can you um, kind of take me back to when you were getting started? You graduate from school. Do you yeah. wake up and say, I want to start a business and just go for it? Yeah, great question. I've been working since I was eight in a small business because I was brought up in a family that was chaotic, um, uncertain, and fear-based. And so I was searching for a way out. And my grandfather and my uncle had a, had a, a small business, a manufacturing business. And uh, we would sell our wear, we would um, manufacture and sell our wares at flea markets and, and sell them to carnivals and the Jersey Shore and all that stuff. And that's where I got my start of the basics in business. Fast forward to graduating um, uh, college, I saved up $15,000 of my money and I opened up Entrepreneur Magazine and I said, I want to buy a franchise. So I, I, I flipped through and I found the only franchise I could purchase with the money I saved was um, a Money Meller franchise. A Money Meller is like Valpac where it's a group of advertisers, which are restaurants, chiropractors, dentists, hair salons. And you, I would market these businesses. Where I got my start, uh, Chris, was I would interview thousands of these small businesses to, in order to market them externally. And I learned best practices. So I went to Rutgers University, but my real training came from um, asking these men and women, brilliant men and women, these small businesses, how they did what they did. And then I got the best education on the planet. And then what I got to see was, the internet was coming in at the time and I'm like direct mail is going to go away and I looked at dentistry and I said this is my future I, I found myself hanging out in dental practices I found myself seeing that they they needed what I had and I sold my business and uh, my direct mail business and I started consulting my first practice I worked in this practice for two years and I sat in everyone's chair. So I sat in as an assistant, sat as a hygienist. I sat in the front desk. I answered. I presented cases. And what I learned was the business model that was being deployed was, was archaic. 
um, how the culture of teams were and, and, and the embodiment of communication and, and empowerment for a culture didn't exist. And so what I did was I, 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 I codified the methodology for two years, sat in this practice, codified it all, and then I sold my first client in Patterson, New Jersey, and he gave me a chance. His name was David Mayer. He was in Patterson, New Jersey. He just called me back after 20 years and said, let's do it again. So funny, Chris, right? So this and, is one uh, of your early clients, the first yep. one you had. He now yep. wants to have you come back? Yeah, because he exploded and he just did so well. And now he's building a second floor and, and he's just, he's like, I'm ready. I'm, I'm in a new plane. You know, I'm in the fourth quarter of my career. I want to build this thing to sell it. And I know you can help me. So mm. it was just fun awesome. to hear back from him. Right. You know, and, and then what I did after I uh, did his practice was the model I had was um, I would go drive and I would go on site and I would go deliver. And my model was this, I'll help you grow a million dollars and you pay me 10% of that. And I did 10, 10 practices a year, and that was my, my business model. And I did that for a bunch of years, and I did that very, very well, and very, very successfully. And um, I became known as the bigger practice growth specialist, and I did that um, for a bunch of years. And then I realized the evolution from there was um, I brought on a bunch of consultants and I failed. And then through my failings, I created a codified system where I can control the quality through having the practice manager be the consultant and I advise the practice manager to install the business model that we install now. So used to, used to flying in was an inefficient way, but it was also not a scalable way and Skype and video conferencing replaced that and now we're scaling and you can run your entire practice from a smartphone. So this, that was the evolution of my career. I hope I was clear enough there. That's I, well. I've got a couple questions. So, a couple of things I found interesting about what you just said. Did you actually? Well, first you said that dentists had what you needed. What was mm -hmm. it that you needed at that early stage when you were doing the marketing thing and you're like, I'm going to do dentistry? <laughs> the, I I had the ability to confront things that they couldn't confront. What okay. I realized they had was, the problems that you thought you could solve. Well, I knew I could, and they didn't. Like what I found is, 99% uh, of dentists don't like to confront things. So they had me do the confronting. I was basically the confronter of things that they didn't want to confront. But I really wasn't doing them a service. I mean, I did well. I got a return on investment. But what, what, the, what I realized was it wasn't sustainable. So over the years, I invented a business model that can be installed and taught on how to proactively manage their practice so that they could have peace of mind financially and have full control of the ship that they were running and then have a scalable model that they can grow past themselves. Gotcha. That was the real turning point. Because before the business, as far as scalable, it was dependent on you. And it sounds yep. like you made an attempt to scale that by adding on consultants. And you mentioned that, that was, you failed there. What, that, I've got some questions on consultants in general, but can sure. you dive into that failure a little bit? Yeah, it, it, here's the thing. I, I did a disservice to everybody. And the service was this. I said, look, people, people wanted my brand of business development, um, personal coaching, because that's what makes us very unique. We put a business model in, and then we inspire the team and the doctor to be passionate about a higher purpose. And when you combine those two business models, then that's in the Rockefeller habits. That's why I love being on this podcast with you, because you understand that, and you understand the value of that. 
<clears throat> that that's what they wanted. But what was happening was I was hiring somebody and they didn't have the same personality as I did, the same um, failures as a kid. So I wanted to transform people because I was able to transform myself. They were just consultants telling people what to do. They were like former office managers, former dentists, and they were not bad people, but I would, I would train them and they would still go do what they thought they, they should be doing. So I, I was doing everybody a disservice. And what I realized was I just needed to reel that in. Um, a lot of them took the clients. I, I, we, we just ended our, our relationships. And then I really basically started over from scratch and rebuilt a business model that is actually installed and, and it's structure. It's not just ideas and concepts, but it's like a step-by-step business model that's implemented in eight weeks. And once it's implemented, it's the triple win. The patient wins, the team wins, and the doctor wins. Mm, okay, nice. And the other question on your growth period, you mentioned that you sat in every chair. Did you actually work as a hygienist and as an assistant? Like you were working well, on patients or just you were there? <laughs> Yeah, I was there. Thanks for clarifying that. Um, I, I I can't I couldn't scrape teeth or polish teeth or cut teeth, but I sat as an assistant and I got to see that when the doctor walked out of the room, they would ask me, "Hey, should I do this treatment? Should should would, would you would you trust him or her as a dentist?" Mm. And what I realized was, myself, I didn't feel I I had the self worth to ha- answer those questions. And I was treated poorly by my doctor at the time. So I was like, do whatever you think you should do. Meanwhile, there was a consultant in this practice, Chris, yelling at the treatment coordinator. But really, who had the influence and the number one trusted person by the patient is the dental assistant. But their self-esteem and the way the business models are built, they really include none of the dental assistant as an influencer for patient education. In fact, they don't think they should even open their mouth, but just sterilize instruments and turn rooms. Mm. So you that's a core piece of what you do is is repositioning the the role of the assistant. Oh yeah, what makes our work unique is we shift the context of how they relate to what they do. We don't have assistants, we have ninjas. Ninja stands for no, I'm not just an assistant and they <laughs> write out their purpose as as a healthcare advocate. So they go, I there's actually an exercise that we do with all of our positions. They say, I was an assistant. Now I'm a healthcare ninja, you know, which means that they, they are an assistant to getting people healthier. Mm. And see, when they walk in every day, Chris, if you give that person a, a, a measure and you give that person a system and you give that person a process, they don't look at what you're giving them as a, as a task, but they look at it as a tool that makes a profound difference in people's lives. Gotcha. See, and that's the other thing I noticed in getting into your content. You've got all these acronyms, the CARE acronym, NINJA. Um, what was another one that I saw? The Hygenius. SPF, yeah, Hygenius. Yep. SPF, where, yep. So where does – is there, are these um, – on one hand, they're, they're a little cheesy. Um, <laughs> but the, on the other hand, they're, I think – they they represent the process and at the end of the day we all want something that's easy you break it down something complex into something that's easy to understand um, and that's super valuable for um, both the people that you're teaching and training but also just in going back to it's like the Rockefeller habits having some sort of principle or um, steps but where, how long did that take to come up with? Or is that were you kind of always drawn to acronyms and you were always looking for ways to come up with an acronym for something? 
Well, it's not about the acronyms, Chris. It's really about we shifted from – see, when I first started out, it was all about telling people what I knew. And it was about me and it was about my identity. The turning point for us was, was that we shifted into a healthcare facilitator that our number one thing, like, you know, number two in the, in the Rockefeller habits is everyone is aligned to the number one thing. Our number one thing is we're in the business of improving people's lives starting with our own. So when you have, the, have it, that be your highest purpose, what happens is, is that you look for ways to, to, that, the, to serve the methodical person, to make sure that things are me- remembered. Because the first thing that happens when you learn something new is you forget it. But if you give somebody a picture of what it looks like, they can step into it. Like they can step into what a ninja is. You can step into – like if you're stepping into a front desk person, well, you're a piece of furniture. But if you step into what we call a dofi, which is a director of first impressions, now that gives your job meaning and purpose and the automated actions that come with being a director of first impression. We have t-shirts that support this, like I'm a dofi, I'm a ninja, welcome <laughs> to Ninja Nation. Like there's a lot of layers to this stuff and people are very proud. Because they want to belong to a greater group. And so we have Ninja Nation. We have Dofi Nation. They go on trainings together, virtual trainings, you know, for an hour a month. And they're training. You know, we have – we don't have money gals. We have financial freedom fighters. So they're fighting for the patient's freedom, financial freedom, by helping them fit the treatment into their lifestyle. Very different context, right? Mm. SPF. You mentioned SPF. And that stands for salary, profit, and freaking equity, (laughs) right? So when I'm teaching a doctor how to be a dental CEO, I go, you got to rub on the SPF. And then they remember, oh, SPF. Oh, I'm I'm only being a salaried person in my own business. I need to run the salary, the profit, and then I got to build this thing up so I can sell it. And then I could be one of the two percenters that are financially free. Now I have their listening and they have the memory on what they need to do. And so, yeah, they might be cheesy, but we like to have fun. Actually, I thought they might have been cheesy and I wasn't sure how people would receive them, but they love them. The people like we only track people that that are up to stuff, you know, and and they step into these roles and they step into these using these acronyms and now it becomes a part of their nomenclature that that has them live their life in a way that is purpose driven and that makes a difference for themselves and others. Mm. And so yeah, that's what the other thing I was going to say is I I actually had a conversation with another business owner who's the owner of a um, property management company and he came up with a gamification um, for his staff and he was concerned that the game like it was a little punch card thing that they got points for certain doing certain things and then once they filled up their punch card then they got you know a hundred dollar gift certificate to amazon or something like that Mm -hmm. but for some reason one thing that we noticed was all the business owners think oh this is a cheesy high school game or this Mm -hmm. is a you know this is just some tactic that we're trying to use but when it's presented in the right way and coming from the right point of view and purpose, people are totally buy into it. Yep. Yeah, we call they call it buying into the Kadiade. That's my last name. Like they drink the Kadiade, and they, like that's kind of like the the term that people talk about. 
and they kind of joke about when they when they become part of our community. But it's really interesting because people want to belong to something that matters. And if it's if if we espouse what we believe, which is we believe that you know dentists should be um, caregivers and not have to run a business and be burdened by all the business aspects but they do have to run it they still have to be responsible for it but if we can take away all the thinking and automate everything like we can now that allows them to do what they love to do best and that's be chair side and you know w- what we do is remove the burdens of what team members have their number one thing is they want to make more money they don't want to be stuck um, but they but they're fearful of change so they'd rather stay the same then and we make it very very safe we allow them to make mistakes and we teach them that it's okay and once they see that it's safe to make mistakes which that's part of a rockefeller habits which is uh, ongoing employee input is collected and to identify obstacles and opportunities reporting and analysis of customer feedback is frequent and accurate as financial data so we have culture surveys twice a year team members you know if you if you know ford the story of ford when they were going down in 2008 and the CEO, he was the CEO of Boeing, and then he became the CEO of Ford. The turning point was that he created the, the, the red, yellow, green concept for his managers. And what it was was a way for them to tell the truth about where their initiatives lied. And everybody was lying in the, in the business. They were all telling mistruths about that they were on board, they were doing their job, that that they were serving their uh, their clients, they were innovating, and they weren't doing any of, it, any of it. The minute the first person put a red card up and said, you know, I'm in trouble, I need help, this isn't working, and he got to the truth about things, um, he actually replaced the CEO because that's what it takes to do a turnaround is create safety and no retaliation and know what's going on with your two customers, your internal customer, which is your team member, and your external customer, which is your patient. And when you get to the truth about those things and then you implement the system that bridges the gap that's not allowing the process to go forward, man, I mean, you know, our biggest increase happened this past year. Um, Brand new doctor just bought a practice up in Michigan. $1.1 $1.1 million increase in a 12-month period. He bought his practice, paid for it, and made a huge profit in his first year. Wow, that's incredible. And so yep. it's just a testament. It sounds like you guys are continuing to refine, get better at your implementation. You're creating lots of content to assist in the process, videos and whatnot. But you guys are still getting better today. As you, How long ago did you start your current model. You mentioned that you attempted the business consultant thing and that failed. And how long are you in this this most recent stretch of the business? Yeah, there was th- there's three turning points. Uh, the first turning point was when we at- when Skype came about, and we were the first adopters of Skype. That's where I was able to control the coaching and transfer from our consultants to be the reason why things were implemented to a business model to being implemented and then being to being able to visually see the reactions of the teams if they had eye rolling going on their arms crossed we could read everything we didn't have to fly there anymore and we we made the um the team leader the consultant and we were an advisor to the the team leader which has eyes and ears on the practice and understands all the the demographics psychographics culture issues that exist in the practice so that that was the first turning point the second turning point was when uh, my dad had a heart attack and my dad had a heart attack and uh, went into a hygiene team and i was really sad that the next day and i was they were like what's wrong with you i said my dad had a heart attack and they said well how's this perio and i'm like my dad had a heart attack and they proceeded to tell me about 
my biggest discovery, well, my first biggest discovery, which is all the reoccurring issues in dentistry of why things don't move forward is because known value in the mind of the patient is not communicated from the practitioners to the patient. So the patient doesn't understand the true value. And what we're doing is we're actually perpetuating why the patient keeps saying, do whatever my insurance covers by asking the question, is anything hurting, anything bothering you? Because that's how most practitioners were trained, was find the chief complaint and fix it. And what I learned was, was that we are in the healthcare business and that we can prevent heart attack, strokes, diabetes, um, airway issues, attacking inflammation, uh, cancers, dementia, are all con- interconnected with the mouth and we can make a profound difference in people's lives. And this elevated the purpose of the practices we work in and we invented something called complete health dentistry. And now we don't ask, is there anything hurting, anything bothering you? We ask them, how is your overall health? And we look at a medical history form and we look at a healthy mouth baseline and whatever the philosophy is of a practice is, now we're educating from what's healthy, showing the patient the gap using visuals and great communication skills. And that gap creates the patient to come to the practitioner and say, I want to get this handled. How do I get it out of my mouth? How do I pay for it? And now it's a different posture with a higher purpose. That was the second turning point. And then the third one is this Gabe works. Yes. The third one is there's a big shift. You know, I'm a big Yankee fan and the last manager just got fired because he doesn't use analytics. And you also spoke about gamification. The next generation of, of workers, uh, patients, millennials, I, I was going to pull my hair out because I didn't understand them and I was mad and I was forcing them to do things that they didn't want to do. And what I got to see was loyalty was out um, in, in the workplace and they all operate from a tech savvy position. So what I realized was we need to run practices from pushed analytics and Fitbit also taught me this too. So what Gabe work stands for is actually Gabe for short. So Gabe is my, my equivalent of a millennial of me. So it's a hologram of a 30 year old kid, but it's an acronym and you know, my fondest to acronyms. Here we go again. <laughs> Here we go. Strap yourself in Chris. Gabe stands for gamification, accountability coach, behavior dash and an engaged learning center. So the first thing we do is we gamify. So in eight weeks, the, so our flagship program, we now put all online and it's self-paced learning. So you don't have to pay us big dollars to do it anymore. It's $1,000 a month and boom, you're building this thing out on your own because that's how people want to do things. They just want to watch videos. They want downloads. They want steps and it's all built. Now, if you want the old school coaching and add coaching to it, we that's our flagship program. But here's the nice thing. Now we put a game in. We set up the communication structures, morning huddles, team meetings, training training times. And now we can know by day if you're hitting your number and you can take six weeks vacation, eight weeks vacation, make, you know, two, three, four hundred thousand dollars more based upon a reverse engineered measured analytical system that starts from January 1st and goes through December 31st and everybody knows what the roles are, what the ultimate purpose is of the business, and then if you're off track, proactively course correcting the business throughout the year. I can know now, Chris, in a little town in Hayes, Kansas, or a little town in Brunswick, Maine, 
if the hygienist is using a healthy mouth baseline or not. And if they're That's not awesome. using the system, I can ping that office and go, here's the training that that hygienist needs to do. That's the type of controls we can have on a practice now. That's awesome. I feel like the, yeah, the, you mentioned Fitbit. I, we have uh, Apple watches in our family and I think everyone can relate to the, uh, um, <laughs> you look at your watch, it's like 10 o'clock at night and you've got, you know, 50 <laughs> calories left and you're doing push-ups or jumping jacks exactly. or something to try and get that little star. <laughs> Exactly. And it's all about rewards and badging. And we badge every day. So everybody knows if they hit their number and they get badges. And and the thing about this is, Chris, if you had to pull a report to see how many calories you have, would you would you change your behaviors? No, it has to be. You have to see it in front of your face all the time. Exactly. Imagine having your entire team in real time push to you what what's actually not lagging information but leading information that gives you behavior changes throughout the day and people love to play games and win their game on a daily basis so is this something that you that a dentist could actually put like a monitor or a tv in their office yep. or is it and you do encourage that it's not something that patients yep. would see and say hey wait a minute why is this you know what i'm saying because yep. i and i know i think i know the answer but how do you uh reconcile the patient's uh, perception of what the the goals of each individual person is. Yeah, these are our measures for how healthy we're getting our patients. So anytime there's numbers, it's always the measure of how healthy we're getting patients. It always translates. And that's really important um, to practices because we speak four languages in our practices. Competitive, methodical, spontaneous, and humanist. So there are some people in a practice that want to go from A to B the quickest. These are the hygienists that produce the biggest results. And then there's humanist hygienists who goes, who looks at a competitive hygienist and says, she's unethical. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. So, so, and, and, you know, so, and then we have methodical people that need to know the steps. And then we have spontaneous people that want to just have fun. So when we speak what this is, we identify the personality profile of each individual team member. And we speak to them on how they listen to, anything that gets implemented into the practice i got you so then the the and you actually you do recommend that offices put a monitor so it's like i see my name on the board and it shows my score for the day um or like the streak that i'm on or am i is that is that all stuff that it, well it's 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 minimized on on um, desktops because we want to have the focus in on the patient and patient education i filmed a documentary called say ah the cavity and Healthcare reform a lot of people are playing that uh, because that's an educational tool that people are playing on their screens that are about whole body health and how it impacts the body and so it needs to be purpose driven but let's say the patient walks out you minimize it we have a um, a ticker across the top and so there's there's static boxes in in this um, uh, analytic system but there's also a ticker at the top which gives us the key performance indicators in real time and you, a patient would not know what they mean because it'll say NP for the month. Uh, it'll say, um, you know, a percentage of patients uh, pre-appointed out of hygiene for the day. They won't. They won't know I gotcha. what a lot of that data is. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, I'm a huge fan of. Uh, it's actually interesting. I was just thinking the other day, with um, I feel like a problem that I'm facing currently is we have. So we're doing a lot of, whenever, any, anytime a dentist comes to a marketing company, they always are wanting new patients. 
It's like, huh. what's that's the measure, right? How many <laughs> how many new patients can you get me? And that's what all the marketing companies are saying, um, which drives. I mean, I I think that we're good at that, and we can look at their average new patients before and their average new patients after, but um, that's not the whole. There's that's like a a mm. tiny piece of the pie when you're trying to talk about you know massive revenue growth in a practice, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. We, when you turn your practice into a complete health practice, it changes the focus. See, most most when I looked at this business model, when I was doing direct marketing, I'm like, I would bring a hundred patients to the front door, and then doctors couldn't afford to pay me the marketing for the next month. And I said, wait a minute, wait, I don't understand. If the average patient value is two hygiene visits and the value of a crown on the buildup, let's just call that. PPO fees of $1,200 and I brought you 100 patients, 100 patients times $1,200, do the math. That's a lot of cash. That's per month. And they're like, oh, we never looked at it that way. What, how, they came in the front door, but they went out of the back. And then when they were there, they didn't invest in anything. And then I had my breakthrough, which is when was the last time you purchased something that you didn't think you needed was going to cost you thousands of dollars, may hurt you and take time out of your day, Chris. <laughs> it doesn't and happen. I'm like, well, it doesn't happen. Somebody said, oh, my wife is like that. And I said, you, you're probably divorced. <laughs> and another guy said, my boat is like that. I go, okay, I can get that. So um, my point was, was that, oh, we need to have a value proposition in the and, and, and a known value in the mind of the team member and then translate that on an automatic and consistent process to the patient and then all of a sudden you're gonna have the patient come back twice through your hygiene department and when they're there they're gonna invest in the in the average annual value of a patient is the value of a crown to build up it doesn't mean that we're selling crowns every time it just means that's the fee structure dollar amount on average if you have a good case acceptance system that you're actually you know, causing that dollar amount. So if you shift from asking them what's hurting, what's bothering you, you're only doing symptomatic dentistry. But if you have a healthy mouth baseline that says, here's what's healthy, let's take a look around using the camera and using my pro my probe and my and get pocket depths and then have you understand the true value of the, the health of your mouth connected to your body. Now all of a sudden the patients are buying treatment, They're, you're not having to sell it to them anymore. Mm. And so when I looked at this, let's look at these numbers, Chris, and why what you're saying is so true. If you're a new patient only machine and you don't focus in on our, it's our care system again. Here we go, Chris. Another acronym. Acronym. <laughs> here we go. Care stands for case acceptance, retention, and the experience and acquisition of a new patient. So those are the three ways that those three primary systems that we build to build a practice. So when I first looked at the stats, the average patient coming back twice through a, through a hygiene department, twice is 20%, very low. Right, wouldn't that seem low to you? Yes. Mm -hmm. Right, then case acceptance is 15% for new patients because the trust isn't there and 35 for existing patients. And this is average right. when you're coming into a practice to work with them. On the front end, before we get started, on average of the thousands of practices, I can pretty much pinpoint this is where the numbers are going to be. Gotcha. And if they're if they're out of whack, that means that they're really good at something, and we're we're just going to enhance that. We're not going to touch it, right? But if you can get our our benchmarks are sixty seven percent case acceptance on average, eighty percent patient retention, 
90% PREA points coming out of hygiene. Now here's the good news about this. For doctors that are wanting to get peace of mind around money, want to take vacation time who think they can't because when they come back they have you know Swiss cheese in their, their schedule, they don't know what they're going to come back to. Moving from an output-based measure to an input-based measure changes everything. Because what it takes, Chris, to most people look at the measures are their bank account. If it's high, they think they have more cash flow, they feel good. If it's low, they don't feel good. The next measure is production and collections. Again, output numbers. What it mm. takes to collect money, produce it, collect it, is seven months prior when you pre-appoint a patient in your hygiene department. Getting the case acceptance is what gets case accepted in April is going to show up in May. So if you're not on the front end of knowing that what you need to produce as a doctor, let's call it $5,000 a day, if you're not closing $5,000 a day in, in April, it's never going to be equal to or greater than, and you're going to get a lot of that roller coaster production days. Mm. So we eliminate that, and we get our doctors done ideally by noon. If you sell one in, one Invisalign and your $5,000 goal is a day, you do you know one Invisalign, a couple of Perioprotects, a couple of crowns, you're done. Right, right. You see, and then you can have the afternoon off and just do you know wind your day down, and and you and you're done. So you see exactly. So the you're saying that when you're coming in, you're repositioning the. Um, well, I'm just. You said the retention goes from twenty percent to eighty percent. Yep, yep, and that's because we get to the source of the value proposition education through a hygienist. We turn our hygienists into hygienists. We turn our gum gardeners and tooth polishers into the only healthcare practitioner that spends two full hours with a patient and teach them how to, how to look at a medical history form, ask the right questions, get the patients wanting to take care of their health, and then we have the healthy mouth baseline, they do their diagnostic, and then we have oral systemic health cards, Chris, that allow the practitioner to simply educate the patient. Here's what Alzheimer's is. Here's what my, if you look at my, my medical history form, you'll see my grandfather died of pancreatic cancer. We have a pancreatic cancer um, oral systemic health card. It says what it is on the front, and on the back it says here's how it, here's, here's the studies that show 62% higher incidence when you have periodontal disease, you have a 62% higher incidence to get pancreatic cancer. If really? you tie that whole, yes, when you tie that whole string together and then you let the patient know it and then you show them all those evidence-based science that's on that card and they can go check it out for themselves, now you're, you've elevated your purpose as a complete health practitioner. You feel better about your work. You're not saving just saving smiles. You're saving lives. You're, you're extending lives. The value proposition of that is way higher. And now when the patient comes around and says, hey, I have to go to my hygiene appointment, they go, now they're not just going, that's just a cleaning. I'm, I have it in the back of my head that my compliance to my hygiene is going to keep me away from what my grandfather did which is he died at 72 from pancreatic cancer. You also look at my medical history form and you'll see that I had pancreatitis. Anything with itis behind it means there's inflammation. You had inflammation in your pancreas. So you have inflammation in your mouth, 62% higher incidence of pancreatic cancer. You've already had inflammation in your pancreas. You only get one pancreas. There's no pancreas 
replacement plan. You die if you don't get taken care of. And now when you present soft tissue care for me, I'm buying whatever you got because I have a 13-year-old son and emotionally I want to be around and live a longer life. I have a lot of things I want to do with my wife. I want to travel around the world. I want to see my son graduate from high school, college. I want to see him get married. I have a big purpose. I'm an older father. And so that's my emotional why. And we teach your teams how to get to the emotional why of what somebody inherently is already buying. And then we tie all the dentistry to that. And now patients are feeling taken care of, they're listened to, and they're served beyond expectation. That's that's amazing. And um, you're now making me think. So my dad passed away from pancreatic cancer about six and a half, almost seven years ago. Mm, sorry. I, I, yeah, I, um, that was a, a major turning point in my own life, but it's making me, I don't know if this would be good or bad or not, I'm just curious, to be able to go back and um, see if there were, like if, you know, just out of curiosity, what, did he have periodontal disease or was that something that was even flagged or that his dentist was even aware of? That's, that's well, I'll tell you what happened to my dad. Well, my, here's what happened to my dad. My dad it was religious about telling me to go to the dentist every six months. His dentist was a tooth polisher. He didn't have a hygienist. His he, he was in dentures after he had his heart attack. He was blown out perio. His teeth were falling out of his mouth. Wow. And this is going on in dentistry everywhere. It's still going on in 2018. That's people, crazy. Chris, people are walking out of a dental practice thinking that blood in the sink is okay. Nope. When did we have the unacceptable become acceptable? So teaching the um, hygienist and the assistants to get the patient to the emotional why, which is, um, I'm, I'm not sure if you've, um, you had to heard of Simon Sinek got into, you know, start with why and the, uh, he gave a TED talk on um, uh, the brain and why, how, and what. Are you familiar with yep. either of these? Oh, very, very familiar with Simon Sinek. And, and actually, it's very interesting. We Everybody thinks it's why, but it's actually, he says at the end, believe, I think it's 22 times. We believe. We believe at Apple that you should think differently. We believe. We believe. We believe. And here's here's the game changer. Marketing in today's world is different, and and you and you because you're great at it. Um, you understand that male-based marketing, which is we're great and here's why you should buy from us, is over. Female attraction-based marketing is is what is working in today's world, and what that means is is you have we believe statements, and w- when you say we believe that the mouth is the bridge to uh, your whole body health. We believe that your ego is not your amigo. We, we believe that you should live to, you know, not live to work, but work to live. When we say these things, we attract the type of practitioner that believes what we believe. So when you write a series of we believe statements and ha- record your team stay, saying these statements and put them on your website as a dental practice, you're, you're gonna play, they're going to click on that and they're going to go, oh, I believe what they believe, so I'm going to do business with that business. Mm. Absolutely. And that's a that's a key part of what's happening here. Um, when you speak to the patient, they are buying on their why, not your why. So what I see most dental practices before we get started with them, they're telling the patient what they need to do and what's wrong with them. Who wants to know how many of your listeners want to know what's wrong with them and what they should do? Who likes to be told what to do? Right. Not many. 
None. Zero. <laughs> and that's what we do all day in a dental practice. You need three crowns and two fillings. Here's what's wrong with you. You got disease decay and you got this. But if, if you take a different approach, which is our five-step process, which is an enrollment process versus a telling process, which is an engagement process, which is not a forcing process. It's a five-step process of finding out what the person's personal motivator is and understanding one of the four languages that they are so you can speak to their language. Because if you're a methodical practitioner and you're speaking to a competitive person and you're giving me details, I'm, you've lost me. So, but if you, if you find out what's important to me, which is living a longer life, being healthy, looking at the context of the individual, and we train people how to find out what people are already motivated by, and that's called the personal motivator. The second step is the healthy mouth baseline. If you don't establish what's healthy and what's not, and you don't create a gap for the patient, they think they're all healthy. And then the third step is what we call the PCS, which is problem, consequence, solution. Highlight the problem. Highlight the consequence, and I actually said the yes, it's not the solution, but shush. Here's the problem, Gary. Your, your grandfather died of pancreatic cancer. You had pancreatitis. The consequences are you don't want to go down that route, right? You have 17 bleeding points, 6 millimeter pockets, and you have a cracked tooth. What questions do you have for me? Let, and don't say a word and let them come to you. And then the fourth step is the trust transfer. Trust transfer gets rid of the hallway of amnesia, Chris. You know what the hallway of amnesia is? I do not, but I'm intrigued. Oh, oh here we go. In the back, we the patient said yes. We, we educated them, and they were all excited, and they said yes. They really didn't understand what you said because all they heard was Charlie Brown's teacher, mwah, 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 mwah. And they walk up to the front and they go, Are you ready to schedule? And they go, ready to schedule what? Because they walk <laughs> down the hallway of amnesia. You know, room five, room four, room three, room two, room one. You ready to schedule? <gasps> I don't know. <laughs> and so how that's do you, the, and the, that's, that's a, how do you deal with that? It's called the five time, five time trust transfer. Five time trust transfer is the hygienist, or the hygienist and the, or the ninja to the patient. They're educating using the intral camera. They're teeing it up using the healthy mouth baseline. They're not diagnosing, but all they're doing is teeing up the doctor. Then when the doctor comes into the recare visit, they hand it off to the doctor and say, here are the pictures, here's what I see. Take a look, I'm concerned about this, this, and this. They're, they're putting the ball on the tee for the, for the doctor to take the driver out of his bag. The doctor to the patient is the only person that diagnoses, completely diagnoses, confirms, validates the hygienist or the, uh, the assistant. Then the, fifth, the fourth step is the hygienist or the ninja takes the patient up front and transfers that to the treatment coordinator and says, this is Gary. He wants to live a longer, healthier life. His grandfather passed away, unfortunately, of pancreatic cancer. He had pancreatitis a couple years ago. He has inflammation in his mouth. He has bleeding in his mouth. He has infection in his mouth. What he learned he learned is that he, we can correct this by um, using this treatment, this treatment, and this treatment. And that that treatment coordinator has my pictures on the on on the on their screen. I sit down. She goes, "Hey, can can you please uh, do you understand all your all, all your conditions and what you need and why you need it?" Yes, yes, yes. I just want to know how much it is. Great. And then the treatment coordinator reviews how to fit the treatment into the patient's lifestyle, which is the fifth step. Wow. And you actually, so you train that, I'm, I'm just trying to put myself in that situation. 
it feels like that would be a little bit awkward for an employee at first to say yep. to say it in that way, but that is how you recommend people do it, and it becomes oh, yeah. more it, natural over time. Oh yeah, because but here's the thing: there's layers in here. If the practice is BHAG, which is part of the um, Rockefeller habits, BHAG being the big, hairy, audacious goal. Like our practices, like an example, I have a practice in San Diego in 2015 said we're going to get 20,000 people healthier in, by the year 2020. And they did that by 2017. Now their, their big, hairy, audacious goal is we're going to get San Diego from the 10th healthiest city to the first healthiest city by the year 2022. Everybody buys into that. That's step one. Then we have hygienists become uh, hy uh, hygienists become hygienists. Then we give them the five-step healthy patient blueprint and train them on how to do it. They buy into all this because they understand the purpose behind the practice, their personal purpose, and then the tools they need to do to help their patients get healthy. And so it becomes very natural to to unfold all these things. It would be weird. If the practice was a standard dental practice that was, you know, drill, fill, and PPO mill, just focused in on insurance and just doing the insurance boogie every year, mm. it wouldn't work. Right, and that's I think that's again just the the thing that I am so obsessed with is just the purpose of why you're doing something is so critical to, um, like everything that you're saying. If just, everyone wants to make more money and work less, for the most part, you know. Yep. Not necessarily, you know, we're always going to be doing things during our day, but we like the idea of not having to be in a stressful situation, wondering if we're going to be able to pay the lease and whatever. So we all want sure. to make more money and not be as stressed with, with how long we're working. But if you focus on that, instead of focusing on why are you here? Why are you a dentist? Why did you start this business? Um, and you try and do the, you focus on the, the op, like just the, you're too focused on the, the dollars, then everything else breaks apart. But as soon as you figure out the, the reason for existing, then it's a lot easier. Yeah. And Chris, look, I just met you, but I have a bromance with you. Here's why. Because you get it. You, you understand, you link up. See, most people don't link up purpose with freedom they don't it's too intangible for them especially dentists but once we get them and show them that having a higher purpose for the doctor and the team is the ticket to ride because it's the solution that most people don't give to practitioners and it's the solution that changes everything because here's the other thing I learned about money and time because there are commodities you're sitting on the treadmill of just focusing in on more 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 and you can't get there the minute you provide purpose, you get so much more money, so much more time. Like, for instance, let me give you this example. I have a doctor who's worked with us four years. Her dream is to go to Tanzania, to Tanzania, because that's where her family's from, to build a um, medical dental practice. She went over there this year for four months, and she had her biggest year ever. Hired two new associates. She wasn't there for four months. She's having her dream be fulfilled, and the bigger her purpose gets and the more she helps more people, the more money she has and the more time she has. It's a proven case study over and over again. So, and that's a, the, you mentioned most people give, um, the, the, the solution that most people don't give is trying to uncover that deeper purpose, and I think it's because it takes longer, and at least for myself, I've run into a number of dentists that as soon as you bring that up, 
it's you know like, oh yeah that's just you know a bunch of woofoo whatever um, exactly touchy feely good yeah, touchy yeah, yeah. feely stuff how do you deal with that well it's very simple well first of all i'm going to give you something intimate about myself um my my, my nickname is party fresh kiss uh, chris but you know you add a little alcohol to this guy and i am awesome and and there's a party um, it's like a party in a box i come out and like everybody's drinking for free and it's just a blast but here's the thing when you're 44 and your son has autism like my son had and your wife comes to you and says look i love you and i need you to come with me but if you're going to be an idiot and drink like you're drinking uh you don't have to quit but you can't hang it with me and and your son because i'm going to get this kid healthy and she stood for me and um i'm, I'm going to be 10 years sober may 1st wow all right yeah now, I didn't know how to live life without alcohol. I lived my whole life. I hid behind the bottle. I was like, I, I got beer muscles. I got social skills. I got courage. Uh, but I did not know how to live life without it. And the minute I learned how to, like, here's what, here's what happened. I found a guy who had 36 years of sobriety, and I just did what he did. What he, he did exactly. You guys don't have to reinvent the wheel. If you just are sick and tired of living the way you're living, but you don't know how to live any other way, but you're afraid to make changes. It's okay. That's natural. The minute I got onto this path, Chris, and I followed the system, I stayed sober for 10 years and I drank for 25 years before that. And I'm not that old. I started drinking early. <laughs> but, my, but my point is, is that you don't have to live in suffering. See, pain is necessary. Suffering is optional. Pain is the trigger to say, wake up, young man or young lady. You don't have to be living like this. Now, if you stay in it based upon fear, and not following, trusting somebody to just follow their methodology, well, you're gonna stay stuck there and you're just gonna lead a mediocre life. But if you're serious about like stepping into the future and, and stepping into a system and a process that is proven over and over four or 5,000 times, just see, in 2018, raising your hand and, and saying, I need help is a strength, not a weakness. Mm. And when you do that, that's you like your whole life can change in this minute listening to this podcast that's what happened to me my wife stood for me and said you don't have to go drinking but you can't stay here i called the guy the minute i called him i lost a thousand pounds off my shoulders because i had a new future to live into and when you create a new future that like is not the past you lose all the pain and you get to work and you get into action and your life changes immediately and you you said one thing that that i i want to just clean up a little bit that that is a a myth and, and you even stated it. This takes a long time. This takes, the minute you make the choice, everything changes. Your whole, I've seen in days, things line up where people have been stuck for years. The minute they say, we're going this way, we're gonna implement XYZ or a complete health practice, Chris. And that is the, that's the moment of unstuck. And then there's just stuff to do. And then, and it's not, I guess I should clarify, it only takes a long time if someone's not being open and transparent. There you go. There you go, Chris. Yeah, right there. See, people say, I, I ask people, how long did it take you to quit smoking? Some people say 10 years. Some people say five years. I go, nope. The minute you chose. When you had, minute, some, when you had some bigger reason. Yeah, with the minute you chose, exactly. And that's what I love about your work, Chris. You understand once you step into the bigger game, the old things become little speed bumps, not mountains. See, when you're living in, when you're a big fish in a small in a small pond and you know you need to grow, but you haven't because you're afraid, you're a big fish in a small pond. That's why molehills become mountains. 
But when you have a big, when you're a small fish in a big pond called, we're going to transform healthcare, or we're going to get 30 million people healthier, the problems that you had just melt away because you're like, I don't have time for this crap. I got to start slaying bigger dragons. Mm, absolutely. That's awesome. Why do you think that consultants have such a bad name? I've just come across a lot of dentists that say, oh yeah, I, you know, I've, I've worked with four, four consultants, four of them were garbage, or, or you know, three of them were garbage, one of them was okay, but I haven't met a good one. Yeah. No, it's typical. It's like a lawyer. It's like, you know, or, you know, it's like lawyers. People hate lawyers. People hate consultants because it's like, you know, look, I, I don't my colleagues are amazing. They're all talented in different ways. But here's I'm going to talk about myself, about where I made mistakes in the past, because this is this is what we cleaned up. In the past, we used to take everybody who said, I want to work with you. That's part of the problem. You don't know if the scope of work can solve the person's problem. That's number one. So what I did was I create I created a program called the launch program. And the launch program gives me and the doctor one month to understand, is this going to be a good fit or not, right? So the first thing we do in this launch is, what is your three specific measurable outcomes for the next year ahead? So that gives us our pin drop of like, okay, that's the outcome. It's usually money. In the first year, we have a three-year curriculum. Money, time, and the experience of going to work for that day, mainly in the area of what the, what their team is like. Again, another thing, we don't call them staff because that's an infection. We call them team, right? So that's step one. Step two is we plug in our dashboard into Dentrix, EagleSoft, and Open Dental, and then I share my screen and I go over all the opportunities that exist inside that practice. So I'm showing the dashboard of the practice we're working with and I could give them exact all the gaping holes that they're sitting on. The second thing we do in that se second session is we go over their culture survey because that's gonna tell us how ready their team is and how much work we need to do with their team. And sometimes people think before they work with a consultant they have to have the perfect team and that's not so. Because so often their hiring practices keep hiring the same type of person over and over, usually one with a pulse and one that they <laughs> like as a person. And that is not the right way to recruit, hire, and onboard people. And so once I have their numbers and their gaps, how much I need to work on with their team before we get them set up to implement, now I'm guarding the dentist against hiring us if I don't think it's a good fit. So I'm protecting them and I'm protecting us. Here's why. We only work with 100 practices a year. What happens is, is that if I get a bad apple in there, it pulls down the other 99 because my, my, my whole coach's team has to like deal with the problem child. So for both reasons, we don't take people's money or take their time if we know we can't help them without a shadow of a doubt. And then we guarantee a dollar for dollar return on investment. So it's not a cost, it's an investment. And in the third session, we lay out the entire step-by-step -step plan, what's going to happen each month. And when you take the time to do all that, then without a shadow of a doubt, we know we're going to be successful. In the past, we didn't do that vetting system and we didn't protect dentists against you know, us and us against them. And that's, that's where the failure happened for uh, me personally. I don't know what happens for my other colleagues, but that's what I found n was needed and wanted for our, our uh, valued community members. Awesome. Yeah, no, I think that the, I've heard again and again, 
the importance of um, having a niche um, is critical in scaling something, especially as you're trying to get more and more effective in a, at a particular service. Um, but in order to have a niche, you have to be saying no to someone um, mm-hmm. or to a lot of people sometimes. Um, but no, I think that's very cool. I think uh, so that is something that is for a startup or for consultants that are smaller or for consultants that are just focused on, again, I would say from my perspective today, um, you have a hard time saying no when you don't have a purpose um, and you're just trying, you're looking at another client as, you know, another several thousand dollars in revenue as opposed to, um, is this a good fit? But as soon as you start asking, is this a good fit? You end up with, you know, 10 times more people um, because you start talking about your purpose. That's right. And and then also when you start a business, like you said, you're taking anybody. Um, and we did that on uh, in our uh, other program. Uh, we, we take we take fledgling practices, people that we couldn't serve in our flagship. And we have to work three times as hard. But we're happy to do that because we, we just want to get people in, in, you know, indoctrinated into this new, um, you know, practice development, you know, from using your smartphone. And we just do whatever it takes to make somebody happy and fulfilled. And, and we're always focusing on what their top three are. And we make sure we deliver that um, every single time. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, we'll, hit, we'll head into wrapping this up. Uh, what does success look like to you personally? Uh, thanks. Thanks for that question. Well, for me, you know, it's been, you know, in my 30s, it was about acquiring. Uh, in my 40s, it was about building uh, a business that um, you know made a difference, and now, as I, I just enter my fifties, it's really about profound difference, leaving um, our great industry in a new place, creating a new norm, which is complete health dentistry, and then having a new delivery system that is you know just completely automating for the private practitioner, so they can compete against um, corporate dental practices. And for me, success is having a balance where I can be with my son, walk my do- my new dog, we just got a rescue dog, and walk my new dog with my son just peacefully and not think about work, um, take my wife on great trips, we're going down to Eleuthera for our 15th wedding anniversary, and having... and. Being represented as a husband, a father, a business owner, and having a full life that leaves a legacy and that um, really makes a profound difference in the industry and on people. And that, to me, is leaving the play, leaving this place a better place than I found it. Awesome. Three book recommendations. Ah, uh, well, you know, if I'm a dentist, I would definitely read Million Dollar Dentistry. Uh, that was my first book. Uh, for sure. Um, the Corporate Mystic is an old, crazy old book. Um, you, probably, you might not be able to find it, maybe only on Amazon. Um, and that's really, the, the definition of integrity in there is so rich. Uh, it's by Gay Hendricks. Um, and then I would say uh, The E-Myth, uh, my, one of my mentors uh, was Michael Gerber. And I love, you know, I believe integrity and um, building a business that has systematic processes to it. And Michael Gerber taught me that. And any of Jay Abraham's work, which is, uh, he's a marketer that started years and years ago, another one of my mentors. I mentored under him. Uh, and his work is profound as well. Awesome. Um, and the I'm, I'm a big movie person. So this is completely unrelated to anything. This is just pure entertainment and enjoyment. 
Um, favorite movie of all time? No, there's there's only one for me, and I've watched it a hundred times, and I get something different every time I watch it, and that's Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump, nice. <laughs> I have this uh, weird uh, obsession with uh, well metrics and and ratings and whatnot. And I won't watch a movie that has below a 7.3 rating on IMDb. Um, <laughs> and I know for a fact that Forrest Gump is well over that. Although I'm not sure <laughs> exactly good. what it is. But um, yeah. how can people get in touch with you? What's the what's your communication method of preference? Yeah, well, I, you know, I, I, I have a few. First, our offices are in New York. And uh, the number there is 212 Three eight eight seventeen twelve for those that like to phone. Uh, for those that like to um, email, uh, Katie K A D I at nextlevelpractice.com. K A D I, my last name, at nextlevelpractice.com. I always love to hear you know inspiration from people, haters, whatever you got. <laughs> you know, just you know, we invite it all. Just whatever you got. If you like what you heard, you don't like what you heard. I always love to hear from people. Awesome. And I think I, pr- I mispronounced your name. So it is Katie, not Caddy. Yeah, that's right. Yep. Katie Long A. Yep. I'm sure that never happens. Uh, it happens every time. I get <laughs> Caddy all the time. And you didn't call me Dr. Caddy, which is great. So I was, I, I didn't, I just roll with it now. Nice. And I, yep. uh, this is just kind of a uh, random question that there's a few people that I have met that are, that have this, uh, this um, willingness about them. And you are definitely one of them. I don't know if you, um, are aware or you know you obviously have to tell your staff to do this but i reached out to you guys two months ago and said i think i i didn't even finish the sentence and i think it was something like hey i was wondering if gary caddy would like to be on my and i got cut off and uh i think it was adrian immediately was like yep he, he is definitely interested let's find a time and i was like is there any screening process like do i have to do a background check there's just you're you're totally down and on board yeah, yeah. Well, here's what I found: um, being generous with the universe, um, you get generosity back. But anybody who is bringing good to the world, um, we love being generous with anything that you learn. We love giving free stuff away. Um, you know, we understand. Look, you, dentists and people are clouded by, especially in today's world, by a bunch of information and a lot of people selling a lot of things. And we believe being generous is uh, first stop in, in in building long-term relationships. That's awesome. And, and for for me with you, Chris, like I told you, I said I was joking with a bromance, but we got to figure out how we can continue to work together because you're an amazing guy, and I really admire you a lot. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. This was super fun, and uh, I yeah, I've just I've really enjoyed talking with you. And um, I know we'll be in touch. I'll, I'll be sure to uh, send you this over when it's done, and um, hopefully we get some good feedback from the listeners. You bet, you bet. If anybody wants a copy of my book. Um, you can offer that free to free free to your listeners. I'd be happy to send that out in the spirit of generosity for people that follow you. Awesome. Well, thanks, Gary, and we'll we'll see you next time. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, everyone, for your attention and listening to another episode of the Pursuit of Purpose. Your feedback and comments mean the world to me. If you liked what you heard, take a second and leave me a five star review on iTunes. If you've got suggestions for future episodes or want to say hi, you can shoot me an email at chris at chriskiefer.net. And don't forget, I make it a point to include all of the links to the books, movies, and resources that were mentioned in this episode in the show notes. 
You can find those notes directly in the episode description or on my website at chriskiefer.net. You're listening to the Pursuit of Purpose podcast. Wisdom, stories, and advice from successful entrepreneurs and inspirational people.